Coming to you live from Star Worldwide Networks in Scottsdale, Arizona. Be, dream, do. Living by design. The radio show is focused on people sharing their stories of how they were able to understand what they were really passionate about and had the courage to dream big and then did it. Now, join the conversation with your host, David. Well, hello, listeners. Welcome back to Be Dream Do Radio. This is your host, Dave Weider, and I'm here with my son, Sean. Hi, good morning. Hope everyone's doing well. Uh, actually, all the ballots have been counted here in Arizona. So we are thrilled, and congratulations to Kirsten Sinema, uh, who is our new senator. I just mentioned that because she was my congresswoman for several years until she decided to run for the Senate. I'm not going to go through all of the other... Uh, all of the other results in the elections, you can tune in to your favorite television station or radio show to hear about that. But we're here with a very special guest, uh, a dear friend, if I may, yes. and, and classmate mm-hmm. from West Phoenix High School, a master certified coach, a director on the board of directors for the Global International Coach Federation, author, and... Um, and actually overachiever with three degrees, including a, a, a doctorate in psychology. Correct me if I'm wrong. This is Marsha Reynolds. Welcome to the show, Marsha. Thank you. Glad to be here. So if what I just said is not impressive enough, <laughs> all of that is good and, and certainly creates some level of attraction. I mean, at the end of the day, it's all about your bio, right? That's what, <laughs> oh, of yeah, course. Right, right, right. <laughs> But it's who you are. That's why you're here. I'd like to think so, and that's what people tell me, Uh that whenever I speak from the stage or I do a webinar, the comments are always, thank you for the information and the practice and all that you share, and we love your presence. We love that you're willing to be vulnerable, that you show your passion, and that you just totally show up. And I truly believe that that's the difference, because a lot of people have information, mm-hmm. but not everybody's willing to totally show up. Mm-hmm. So when you say totally show up, how does that um, how does that translate for the listeners? You know, for me, I, I you know, of course, it's it's transparent to me. I don't see it. Um, but I think for most people, it, it feels like a vulnerability. If I totally show up, then I am open to criticism. And then it's not criticism of my work. It feels like criticism of me. And it's very difficult then to separate mm-hmm. that. And I'm, I'm susceptible to that. Right. Oh, they didn't like me. Right. <laughs> but I'm really okay because what's the most important thing to me is the work and the right. difference I'm making. So that somebody might say, oh, she, she, has, she laughs too much, which I often get. Mm-hmm. Um, or uh, how could she reveal that part of her life? Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't that affect her credibility? Mm-hmm. But for me, if I don't fully show up, mm-hmm. then why would they trust my work? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's interesting because... Um, I remember we had, a, we had someone on the show that was a healer, and mm-hmm. they were describing how once they accepted they were a healer and they owned up to it, 
it made all the difference and 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 it was it was like uh it's the energy behind it it's like yeah. you know what you're doing as as a as a coach as a counselor it's putting all this energy and experience in it and really caring it makes all the difference it's yeah you know Sean i think that word too really caring mm-hmm. i think that's what shows through if you really care or not and i've had people say that too that they've seen many speakers they hear and the, those people are there really for themselves. And mm-hmm. one of the practices I do before I go on a stage when I speak is I fully, I breathe in and I look out of my audience and I love them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that reminds me why I'm there. Mm-hmm. Now, the very first time I did that, it was scary because I went out, I looked at these 1,500 people, and I'm like, I love you. And then it was like, oh, what if they hate me? And I was like naked on the stage. Right. <laughs> and so I had to like take a breath, use my courage, and get back out there. And, you know, the interesting thing is it was an amazing presentation. I sold like 300 books, standing mm-hmm. ovation. Two days later, I did the same speech, different audience, mm-hmm. but I was tired, you know, I wasn't fully into it. Mm-hmm. Same speech. But the response was different. It was like right. just a little, oh, okay, thank you. I think I sold right. five books. <laughs> you right. know? Uh-huh. And it's, it is all about the energy. Right. And, and I'll never forget an acting coach of mine said, you know, it's none of your business what they think of you. Your business is to give them 100%. And for every little bit that you're worried about what they think of you, you're not giving them that 100%. Mm-hmm. And that's a big part of how I mm-hmm. choose to show up. Mm-hmm. Powerful, Marcia. It's all mm-hmm. about the energy. Mm-hmm. Isn't that what Einstein said? He said a lot of things. He said a lot <laughs> of things. And I think he repeated probably what a lot of other people said yeah. as well. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's all about the energy. So. Or like when they say, sorry, uh, I've also heard when you're thinking about the reaction, you're thinking. Yeah. And when you're feeling, you're feeling. So when you're thinking about, like you're saying, it's like, right. well, you're not actually feeling, you're not in that. Well, you're not present. Yeah. You're, you're thinking. It's the same thing I tell coaches when you're trying to remember that powerful question. You are not <laughs> present with your client. Yeah, it's like, Marcia, I've got a list of powerful questions, <laughs> yeah, yeah. right? And I go, okay, let me try question number yeah, seven. Yeah, right, right. You need to burn those. <laughs> <laughs> your New Year's resolution, burn your questions. <laughs> Interesting. What do you do, Marcia? What do I do mm. today? Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, I believe I truly live my passion, and uh, every year, I can't really tell you what I'm doing mm. this next year. I don't have a business plan, never had one. I've been in business 22 years. I have an international speaking, coaching, training business. Mm. I do very well, but I never designed what it was going to be. Mm. But I did design what was the difference I wanted to create in the world. Mm. And as long as I am clear about that mm. and keep moving forward and uh, create visibility, because that's the way I market, right, <laughs> right. Um, then the right work shows up. What is the difference that you want to make in the world? You know, and that's the, the piece that does change. Mm. Uh, 
I do know that I want, I've always wanted people to uh, honor each other as full human beings, to allow full expression of who we are, mm. um, and to, to be together mm. uh, in a more honoring way. I came out of, you know, nasty corporate world, <laughs> and so that was really important. But it wasn't until I found, you know, and also just to add to that, my second master's degree, so when you said three degrees, it's three advanced degrees. Right, right. My second master's degree was in adult learning. Mm-hmm. I'm crazy curious about how is it that we learn um, and change our behavior. So even my, my, many people know that I am very steeped in neuroscience, the brain. It's only because I'm so passionate about understanding um, how we learn and change. And this is, say how old I am, 30, 30, more than 30 years ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when I found coaching was around the same time that I found emotional intelligence and got very interested because the whole world of neuroscience was just starting to emerge. Right. And all of a sudden I found it. I knew coaching was powerful, but when I mapped it to the brain and what they were understanding now about learning, it's mm. like, Oh, my God, no wonder coaching is so powerful. <laughs> and it's the best technology we have for creating long-term behavioral change. Why is that important to me? Because if we're going to learn how to be together in a more honoring and humane way, we have to learn new habits. We have to learn new ways. So mapping coaching, you know, with, with uh, how we learn to be together, you know, bringing that, Fully together is what I'm passionate about. So, you know, it's about the power and the practice of coaching that I bring to the world. So that was the journey that brings me to, to this moment. So most of my work is um, I, I, I teach for coaching schools in the U.S. and Russia and China. I speak at coaching conferences around the world. I also, though, still teach emotional intelligence. I teach leaders, coach for companies around the world. Uh, so I'm still doing some leadership, uh, but always with a coaching um, element to that. So the training is always related to the coaching. And, of course, I have coaching clients um, all over the world. Uh, I'm always amazed how many countries I connect to in the morning and the evening <laughs> while I'm still here. In Phoenix, I'm so grateful for the journey and uh, what has transpired, both for my passion and the great people I get to meet. Well, Marsha, I try to keep up with you as you <laughs> travel around the world through Facebook and all of your different uh, pictures that you post. I mean, quite frankly, I <laughs> fail miserably at keeping up with you. And no matter where you are in the world, you find the time to participate uh, in our local ICF chapter here mm. in Phoenix. And I'm deeply grateful for that, as well as uh, the general membership. So everyone's very appreciative of, of your yeah. engagement. I try. I know I can't that often. Mm-hmm. But I really do try to, to support um, my local chapter as much mm-hmm. as possible. So how you weaved your passion into really making a difference and making the world a better place really is a work of art. Well, thank you. And, thank and, you. and if you, I mean, it's aspirational. 
So how much of a difference do you feel you are making in the world today? You know, the, I'm always amazed at um, what people tell me mm. because I feel like I'm just doing what I love and every day I get to do that. Mm. Um, but, you know, I, I present for WBAX, the World mm -hmm. Business and Executive Coaching Summit, and it's really wonderful because they collect uh, all the comments after my presentations. After the presentations, right. and And I get thousands of coaches that show up from all over the world. And that's what helps me to realize what a difference I make when I, re you know, read them. Mm. You know, I, it's like I even, you know, brings tears to my eyes mm. when I read, like, oh, she's, she's it. She's the guru. She's mm. the Yoda. That's what somebody said this morning. <laughs> I read she's the Yoda of coaching. <laughs> they must know how tall I am. <laughs> 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 Notice I didn't say how short I am. Yes, I, 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 that, that didn't get lost on me. By the way, no. if you were here in the studio, <laughs> listeners, you'd actually see herself elevating right now. But uh, as, as Yoda, as Yoda so well does. Yeah. Well, but, and I took Aikido for five years, so I'm quite uh, familiar with the, the philosophies as well. So I, 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 I do believe, you know, like even I'm leaving for Romania in two days and. Um, we were talking about the speech, and she says, you, you really don't realize how many people here have been so waiting for years for you to come. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and so I know um, it's like there's got to be a reason. It's not just that they want to look at me. <laughs> right, right. But I think because I continue to do research and share what I'm learning, then I'm always updating. Mm -hmm. So if you heard me last year, what I'm saying this year, I hope, is different. That's mm -hmm. going to still improve your practice and give you a broader perspective about what it is you do. So I'm very committed to constantly uh, giving more mm -hmm. um, to uh, to the to the leaders and the coaches who pay attention to me. Are there common um, conflicts, common problems that you always see in? Most of the businesses you're with are groups? Um, well, you know, it's interesting how it seems like it's now commonplace that mindfulness is important mm -hmm. and we need to be present, but yet we're less and less present. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's so many more distractions, and both externally and internally. Mm -hmm. And so just how do you get present and it's not just mindfulness i mean mindfulness may be here in the moment when i'm not with you mm -hmm. but how do i stay present with you and stay out of judgment as well as any other emotion that might get in the way so uh, I, even in the practice of of coaching like i was saying uh, when you're waiting, when you're looking for the most powerful question, you're not present. Right. That there's other practices, the reflective practice. Let me just repeat back to you mm. um, what you were just saying and, and mm. what I noticed mm -hmm. about how you felt about what you're saying. There are practices like that that, that force us right. to be more present. And it's almost like we have to force ourselves to be present today because of all the crazy distractions. Mm. And, you know, and as we keep migrating you know, to the busy cities, um, I think it, it's going to continue to be more distracting. And phones and 
technology, a lot of noise. And, oh, email and yeah. and and now whatever else that people use other than email, <laughs> Instagram <laughs> yeah. and all. Yeah, and texting and so, right. So just the importance of staying connected with the communication yeah. and if you know if even in the middle of what you're doing, can you just turn around and just just be with the person, like fully be with them? And isn't that the greatest gift we give someone, the gift of our full presence? Not just attention, because that's cognitive, but our full presence. Mm -hmm. That emotional connection. Yeah. Well, it comes with that. Mm -hmm. Because for me to be fully present, I have to ah, be in the emotional space that's going to open up my mind. I have to be curious and care. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to feel that. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not, you feel that too. (laughs) Right, and so why would you want to be with me if you don't feel I'm with you? Yeah. I know you're very passionate about emotions, so let's talk about one of our favorite emotions, and that's anger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Will you? I, I, I'm happy to. <laughs> happy to. What are the... Yeah, okay, sorry. Anger. <laughs> okay, so um, first off to say that I've always... Uh, one of the things that I really stand for is that we allow humans to have full expression of whatever their emotions are in the moment. Um, What a lot of people don't recognize is my first corporate position was in a psychiatric hospital. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I truly (laughs) learned a lot. And it wasn't about necessarily dealing with the patients, so I worked in the training department. But it was how those managers dealt with, like, organizational changes and when people were really upset and how they would allow f- full expression, you know, let people be angry, let them to be, be disappointed, let them be scared. Because when you allow the full expression, then we can get through it mm-hmm. and maybe to the other side. When you don't allow it, then it just simmers. And, and anger, what I say, say happened to anger, in the moment that you're angry is the best time to move through it and see what action you need to take. If you're not allowed to move through it, then it migrates to a social emotion. Mm. Either we go to um, uh, just giving up. It's like, oh, there's nothing I can do. It's out of my control. Apath- and so apathy. Well, it's not necessarily apathy. Apathy's on the other end. It's it's a it's truly a a resignation, a giving up. I guess you know, there's nothing I can do. It could, it's, so it's more of a depressed. Mm, futile. It's futile. It's like, uh, and and it's a real downer feeling. Mm -hmm. And so people get numb. Okay. They get fully numb. And there's a lot of numb people in the workplace. So they run around not feeling because in order for me to deal with this, I have to not feel. On the other end, which I saw a lot of, because once I left the uh, psychiatric hospital, I moved into high tech. On the other hand, is where people go kind of know they can do things, but it's like, well, why bother? Right. You know, because it doesn't really have an impact. So then they get really cynical. So when I say apathy, it's like, um, well, it's more about the why bother. Yeah, I could do things, but I don't. It's why people don't vote. Mm. Well, while well, my vote doesn't count. Right. You know, so, so it's, I, I, there's action I can take, but I'm not going to do it. Because it's like... Well, it'll be decades before any change would take place. Or, yeah, we could do some things, but the CEO's going to shoot it down. And so people don't uh, take action. So they move into one of these areas, 
and then they don't do anything. And it's better to bring people back to you. So really what made you angry in the first place? Mm -hmm. And get them riled up again so we could look at what is it that you think you lost or was taken away? Mm-hmm. You know, what is it that, that, that hurts you so much because it's important to you mm-hmm. that made you angry in the first place? Let's get back to your original anger because then we can understand it and see what, what could you do mm-hmm. that maybe could move yourself or the situation forward. There's so much power in anger. It's like many great things have been achieved by the angry person in our lives. Right, right. You know, and for me, you know, many times in my life where I said, yeah, well, I'll show you what I can you say. <laughs> I can't do that. Oh, yeah, is why I accomplish things. Right. What you think I'm too small and I'm a woman. Oh, yeah, I'll show you. <laughs> it's the notion of harnessing the anger is what is. Yes. That's, that's the operative part of it. Right. Right. Before it migrates. Right. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, and then you don't do anything. So, I mean, and that's the power of coaching is helping people to understand. But, mm-hmm. you know, because, again, you don't get angry unless you cared. Mm-hmm. If you didn't care enough about it, you wouldn't have got angry. So what was that that you so deeply cared about? Mm-hmm. So we bring it back and we have the conversation. Mm-hmm. So the thing is, is though, back to the original thing I said to you mm-hmm. was, uh don't be afraid of people's anger, mm-hmm. you know, and don't try to fix them if they're sad or they're afraid. Right, right. You know, just let them experience whatever they're going through so they, so they could fully understand it because then it may emerge more clearly what is the next step to take. So I'm curious about this. Uh, I really enjoy this discussion around anger, really do. Mm-hmm. And um, there is, you're very well aware of this because of your uh, research and practice that certain things happen in the brain when one is like really seeing red, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that you don't have access to the prefrontal cortex, mm-hmm. right? Kind of a thing, mm-hmm. which sometimes doesn't serve you so well. Like mm-hmm. sometimes you kind of, I know I've said certain things in certain situations that mm-hmm. I like, I was totally out of control. Mm-hmm. Different than other situations where I'm passionate mm-hmm. and I allow the anger to. Mm-hmm. Emerge. I'll even use the word passion because mm-hmm. when I use the anger, and, and I'm sure you you may disagree with this, but mm-hmm. it has a it can have a negative connotation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I allow it to go, mm-hmm. and it serves me well. Mm-hmm. But other times I have been, I want to say, captured by the anger, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And literally, legs, arms shaking. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was right. <laughs> of course <laughs> but that's what you were tied to yeah right? yeah so I, well, what are your thoughts said, around that what we've all said stupid things when right. we were angry right 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 <laughs> uh well first off let me say that uh if you go to the other uh, angle on that it's like oh then i need to like just stuff my anger no no yeah. You know, stuffing yeah. it, it, it is not going to help because, mm-hmm. you know, the garbage can can only take so much. And mm-hmm. then it comes out. And where do we take out stuffed anger? On people we love. Mm-hmm. So that's not going to help. Or it mm-hmm. messes up every system in your body. So then we, it comes out in everything, our immune system, our digestive system. Mm-hmm. So we don't want to stuff it. Right. You know, and again, this is where I love the power of coaching. But there are think, times... It's very difficult to coach yourself because the more attached to the emotion, 
the, the less you're able to self-reflect. Mm-hmm. So this is where I come back to uh, the practice is, can I, do I know what that type of anger feels like? So I can actually catch when I'm like, if, to me it feels like a punch in the stomach. Other people, it's like, you know, a cringe in the back, their face heats up. You know, so you have to determine where your anger shows up because it shows up differently in, in different people. Right. And that's the practice. The quicker I can catch Ugh, that you triggered me, then the quicker I can take a breath, mm-hmm. which is your big thing. Because what happens when you start to feel anger is you quit breathing. Right. You know, the face getting red is not uh, oxygen. The face getting red is a lack of oxygen because you're not breathing. Mm-hmm. So if you can take a breath, that's going to release some of the energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you have to, when you're about to go into that state, take that breath. Uh, and just kind of ease the tension in that spot where you tend to hold your anger. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, which then allows some of the blood back into the brain where you can start thinking about this. But I know there's times when I get so angry mm-hmm. that I have to, like, just go away. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, I am too angry about this. This happens at home a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we all have those. Sure. I have to, like, okay, I am too angry to have this conversation right now. So, you know, I will come back to you as soon as I can just, you know, calm down a little and understand it. And then I always ask myself, what is it that I think this person did to me, Mm. took from me, Mm. didn't give me what I had expected? Mm. So I can go back and say, uh, you know, for example... You know, when you come to me with this conversation, you know, and yesterday we had the same conversation, and I think, like, you were not listening to me, mm-hmm. <laughs> it makes me angry. Like, you don't value what I have to say. Mm-hmm. Okay, so either, you know, I understand sometimes you don't listen to me, but I'd really like you to tell me, hey, I am not listening to you right now. Right. <laughs> so I'm not assuming that you are. So I can clearly identify what was the trigger that made me angry and what's the request I need to make. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm not, you know, coaching them into what, you know, what happened there. I'm going to make a clear request of what I need in the future. Mm-hmm. So even when I coach people through this, I'll say, you know, what is it you think you didn't get? What was it that you expected to get? What's the request you need to make um, on the other side of that? I know it's very difficult to do that in the heat of anger, and that's why I right. say you're going to have to take a breath, and if you need to go away and walk around the block, then you need to do that. But you've got to catch your anger mm-hmm. before it's out of control. So the practice is actually to stop three times a day, set an alarm on your phone, <laughs> and just say, what am I feeling right now? You don't even have to know why right away. Mm-hmm. It, and, and you actually start wiring your brain to be more self-aware. And, and that's the first step. There's no shortcut to this. I have to know when I'm starting to feel an emotion in order to be able to, to uh, manage it. You know, that's all in my Outsmart Your Brain book. That's right, that's right. <laughs> yeah. So, so that was, you know, I've been researching and working with this for decades now. And, and I have found no other way around that first step. <laughs> So when did you first um, find a great interest in psychology and the psyche? In the psyche? Yeah. (laughs) 
No, I, that I think was always there. Um, uh, you know, even in my dark years in high school uh, when I was rebelling, and <laughs> but I think I was saw myself as the grand philosopher, and okay, and I had a view of the world that uh, people did not see, and so uh, and I read. Uh, many of the dark, it, well, some fantasies, you know, The Hobbit and all of that, and The Lord of the Rings, but also the you know Herman Hesse and the Grand Philosopher. Uh-huh. Carlos uh, Castaneda? Of course. Of course. <laughs> that was a must-read. Yeah, I mean, but this was, what, late 60s, early <laughs> yeah, 70s, right, and right, I think right. we were all grand philosophers back then. <laughs> right. um, and then I went through a dark time in my life, which turned uh, into the path of my life. And um, uh, and part of that was let me understand what happened to me so I can help other people. Mm-hmm. And um, and so, uh, but you know, my first master's degree was broadcasting. As I sit here at a radio, wow, <laughs> that's so, why I, I can. I'm a one take wonder. <laughs> so so, Robin, watch out. <laughs> <laughs> so where did you go to university? And uh, San Francisco State. Okay. Which was experimental well, video. That at says the time. it all, Marcia. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I ended up working with the. Uh, my thesis was on how to use video as a playback mechanism to improve communication skills of drug addicts, prison inmates, and corporate executives. Because I knew I would have to make some money someday. <laughs> so it, oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, which led me into. Uh, Working in a psychiatric hospital, mm-hmm. and uh, and then I fell into the training department. She decided to get her doctorate, dump the whole department in my lap. My what, twenty seven years old, and said, "Oh, I know you can do it." <laughs> Which actually, she was my best leader, and um, <laughs> and I were so I was pretty much in charge of the training department, and the rest is history <laughs> by accident. Amazing, just amazing. Mm-hmm. So you kept going. So what inspired you to continue with your schooling then? Oh, school, I love to learn. So that was uh, uh, never a a question. You know, I was talking to you, Dave, before that. Mm. Even in my darkest, darkest times in in high school, I still had an obsessive higher achiever streak where I still had to get straight A's no matter what. (laughs) So that was always in the blood. It was part of my upbringing and my family uh, was very much question everything, question everything, and keep learning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even though you know there was still that you got to go to a good university to find a good man. I mean, there was still that. Of course. But yes, but they inspired me to always question, not just learn, mm-hmm. but to question. And that was a part of our culture. You know, I'm very proud of of growing up in a Jewish family mm-hmm. um, because of that because of the focus on learning and questioning and, and developing your mind, and, and that even when you think you're right, there may be another perspective. Let's look for that. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I, I think that's what led me into, wow, the value of coaching. Wee, I get to do this for a living, it was to truly question. Now, my teachers didn't always appreciate that. I so, yeah, I was always kind of a rebel in school, but it's like, it was a. It was difficult. Here I was, their top student and their most pain in the ass. <laughs> so, and I love that. And even through my doctoral work, I know. Yeah. yeah, there were times he asked me, just you know, could you just not talk during today's class? <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So, and that's, wow. yeah, yeah, well, that's who I am. That's cool. Yeah. Um, well, I got to think that it, um, everything you've learned has helped and added to everything that Absolutely. you're doing now. On both life experience as well as um, academic, you know, I'm very grateful that um, even, you know, I, you know my story. You know, I turned 20 in jail. I mean, I really went down a dark path. And, and uh, it was my cellmates who saved my life and helped me to see who I be <laughs> so I can go out and create in the world. And, and knowing them... And what they experience in life, because I would never have known that part of life had I not spent that time with them um, and, and the dark tunnel I went down before I ended up in that space, um, helps me to have a huge compassion for people in the world. You know, and then after I left the, the mental hospital, every company I worked for traveled me around the world. So you know, people say you ever get tired of traveling? Well, I've been traveling internationally for 30 years. My mindset is the world. Um, and I'm always curious. And, you know, I never read up on, oh, the culture, because if they wrote the book, it's a couple years old and things are changing too fast. <laughs> it's true. So I go in being curious, and I'm like, if I make a mistake, please tell me. Please tell me. And I just want to know, you know, you know mm-hmm. how do you relate? And uh, You know, that, that yeah. uh, just by your asking, uh, emanates so, uh, such deep respect. And it's that respect that enables them to forgive you when you do make a mistake, <laughs> right? And it's interesting, yeah. there are some people who have spent a lifetime to study a culture, and they get up, uh, and they're everything but. And they come up, and they, they know all the details around the culture, and the do's and the don'ts, and, mm-hmm. you know, and the situations and whatnot. But my goodness, they don't know how to connect no. with people of that country. Right. And that. That's, that's just amazing. Listeners, we're going to take a break here. We have Master Certified Coach, Graham Puba of Coaching, if I can say that, Marsha Reynolds. When we come back, we're going to hear about how she actually became a Master Certified Coach. I believe uh, the 25th certified Master Certified Coach. Somewhere mo- within there. Within there. <laughs> yeah. before, I, before they were even counting, right, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned to this wonderful conversation with Marsha. Thank you. of employees hate their jobs. That's right. That's what last year's Gallup poll said after surveying millions. Only 15% were truly passionate about the work they did. If you're among the 85% who don't like their work, you're invited to join our weekly podcast radio show every Tuesday from 10 to 11 a.m. Recorded live at Star Worldwide Network Studio in Scottsdale, Arizona at BeDreamDoRadio.com. You will hear guests of all ages and backgrounds who all have one thing in common. They love what they do. Tune in and explore how they found out what was most important to them, how they dreamed big, and put a plan into action to realize their dreams. Join us in the conversation. Now, back to the show. Listeners, we're back with Master Certified Coach Marsha Reynolds. So, how did you become a Master Coach? You know, it was my uh, coaching school that actually created the International Coach Federation. You know, back in the day, there was only three coaching schools, and uh, there was actually two associations. There was the ICF, International Coach Federation, and the Personal and Professional Coaches Association. Um, And so when 
the call was, we're going to start a professional association for coaches. I'm like, yay, cool, I'm in. <laughs> and so I was very active with the ICF in our first conference from the very beginning. And in fact, I was in the meeting where we merged with the other association. And it was a bit tumultuous and half mm. their board walked out and mm. lots of stories around that. But those who stayed believed in the power of coaching worldwide. Mm. And even though we had our differences, we were going to work them through. Mm. Um, and that's really when coaching took off. So I was when I first began to be on the board. It was like our third conference, third year of the ICF or so. And uh, when I got on the board, we were just bringing in. We knew if we did not set standards for coaching globally, this profession would not survive. It would be wrapped into management consulting and counseling and many other things. So we had to set rigorous standards and have a certification process. So I was, you know, I can remember all the reams of fax paper that we were faxing back and forth <laughs> and trying to figure out the competencies. And, and then how are we going to create this? So, you know, we did all uh, uh, work in, I, I mean, originally it was, we just had two. There was no ACC. That, that came a number of years later. Right. Um, but when we looked at what it would take to define an MCC at the time, we defined it as best we could. But we needed to have the most experienced people that were... We, we used to even have an element where you had to have uh, service to the profession in order to be an MCC. Yeah, you had to say, I am committed to this profession, and this is what I've done to support it. Wow. So that was a big element of MCC. So you had to have hours, you had to have experience, uh, your education with an accredited coaching program... Mm. You know, but we didn't have the rigor in truly identifying. We did as best we could mm. with competencies at that time. So, mm. so yes, I was with the first batch uh, that came through, but we also knew that we were going to continue to improve, which we still are, mm. the competencies, right. and so the, that there's a renewal process uh, to make sure you're still practicing, you're still doing this, and the renewal process is getting more rigor much to the chagrin of many people, it's like, really, I have to do that again? Right, yes, you right, do. Right. Because we have to maintain the standards out in the world. Otherwise, you know, why would people hire coaches and why would they care that I'm an MCC? So um, it's been a really fascinating journey. It's one of, the, you know, my even going back on the board was because um, I, after so many years of being active with the ICF, I moved over and I was active with ACTO, the Association of Coach right. Training Schools, and I was the president of that. And it came to light to me, whoa, many of the problems in the, and, and somehow along the way, the, co the training schools lost a voice with the ICF. And so I wanted to bring that partnership back. And, and uh, that was a big mission of mine. I know I sound maybe self-serving because I'm saying me and mine a lot. Right. But it, I don't mean mine. I mean for us, for all of us. Right. right. Uh, the schools have to have a full partnership um, uh, because they're the ones that do hold the rigor um, mm -hmm. and get people prepared and, and the standards. And and, um, I, mean, and I see it's there, so I think mm -hmm. mission accomplished. <laughs> yeah, well, very well done indeed. Uh, mm -hmm. It's the training schools that really hold the future 
of the Absolutely. coaches. Absolutely. Not the mm-hmm. organization itself, but no. those that provide the conduit right. to become a, a certified coach. So yes. there are coaches out there mm-hmm. who aren't certified at all. Absolutely. And some of them quite successful in their mm-hmm. own way. Yeah. So why ICF? Well, you know, many people do um, practice uh, uh, um, what we call, you know, our ICF definition of coaching, and that's fine. You don't have to be certified if you have a business and mm. um, and you don't feel you need it. Mm. Um, but for me, having a certification isn't just because it makes for a good bio, mm. <laughs> but it mm. also shows that I do stand for the standards of ICF coaching. And what I, being I'm a behavioral scientist, and I do understand the value, the ICF definition of coaching, there's, there's two key elements. Number one, it says we are in partnership with the client, full partnership, which means it's not doctor-patient, it's not expert dummy, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so it's not management consultant, which is an expertise role, it's not therapist, with, it's still expertise and doctor above, you know, right. it's an adult-to-adult partnership, and I feel the second part, that you are fully creative, resourceful, and whole, which was defined by Alfred Adler um, mm-hmm. when he defined modern-day psychology. That he, he said, no, Freud, who was his teacher, missed the boat when he said people are broken. Mm-hmm. No, most of us are healthy-ish, and we are fully creative, resourceful, and whole. <laughs> and we just kind of like, because we get angry, we don't see. We only see in one way. If you can help me just to kind of break through that and see other possibilities, mm-hmm. I will find my way on my own. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's the ICF definition of coaching that differentiates us. And when I say the power and practice of coaching... That's what I mean. So I stand for that. Mm -hmm. And it's a reflective inquiry approach. It's not just asking questions. There's a lot of a reflective practice where I say, so tell me what you just, you know, where I say, here's what I heard you just say. Mm -hmm. Let me summarize it for you. Mm -hmm. Wow, I noticed that you shifted. You got really excited when you explained that one part or Mm -hmm. you got almost sad. And I just hold up the mirror so you can see yourself because Mm -hmm. then... When you're stuck in your emotions, you can't self-reflect. But when I hold it up for you, you go, oh, you're right. Oh, now I see how I get in my own way. And then we ask the question. So that's the power of coaching. And I stand for that. I think it makes a difference, not just when coaches use it, when leaders use it. When we all honor each other as as, as creative, resourceful, and whole. If we can do that, so that comes back to when you ask me what I'm mm. passionate about, is that I fully accept your full expression and you as a human who's creative, resourceful, and whole. Lovely. Yeah. So coaching, mm-hmm. the word coaching sometimes gets confused uh-huh. by the general public. Yeah. And when we say coach, you say, oh, you know, what sport? <laughs> mm. Right? What sport? Um, and as you've defined mm-hmm. coaching, um, it's not the same as coaching as in a sport. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I'm curious about what opportunities there are to connect the power of coaching as you've just described it yeah. and coaching as it applies to sports. Okay. Um, first, I want to say that um, in all honesty, that is no longer a problem in the business world, in the corporate world. Um, they no longer think you're coach when you say coaching. You know, right. coaching is a, right. is a well accepted leadership competency. Clearly. 
all over the world. So they know what coaching, both external and internal mm-hmm. coaching is. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe on a personal level, right. that there's still a lot of people out there that don't quite understand um, what coaching is. But in the business and corporate world, it's not a question. Clearly. Clearly. Um, And and in in terms of sports, you know, actually, a lot of my work in being fully present, uh, uh, so I can do my best, comes from sports psychology. Um, Twenty two years ago, I was asked uh, by a publishing company to create an audio program back when we were still doing cassettes, <laughs> on how to be in the zone no matter what it is you do. So I interviewed um, uh, many professional athletes in uh, basketball, baseball, tennis, golf, and uh, asked them, what do you do in those clutch moments? And, and came up with a lot of the work that I teach on how to be present in the moment, how to take that breath, relax the body first mm-hmm. before you can clear the mind, focus on your center, and then... You always have to shift with an emotion. So then you shift to being courageous. You shift to caring. You shift um, to uh, being here now. So in the in the in the crossover, I see it. It's about presence. In the coaching aspect of it, I think coaches in sports do more telling. You know, they design. Mm-hmm. You know actions and plays and they direct people a little bit more than a coach would do so it's a more of a directive approach although they say you know with their best people they just you know let them do whatever they want but we're not letting just letting people do whatever either you know we're still there and helping them to think even more broadly um, than what they think is their best effort now because maybe they can do a little bit more Mm -hmm. yeah perhaps also because the teams are a lot larger than uh, like an organization versus like a small team. Like uh, you're dealing with a lot of different players. Well, you know, that's an interesting thing because then you get to team coaching, which is a different thing. Um, And I wouldn't say that there's – because some some corporate uh, teams are going to be the same size as a sports team. Some of them Mm -hmm. would not be. Um, But even team coaching is very different. Mm -hmm. You know, we're still, you know, trying to define what is the end result. You know, in sports, you kind of know what it is. Your yeah. end result is. And it's, a team, it's winning the game. Yeah, right. <laughs> the points. And we still want to win the game in a company, but you got to define how you uh-huh. win. It's going to change. Uh-huh. What is it that we're doing in order to win uh-huh. has to be clarified. Um, and then, you know, contracting between members um, is, is really critical. And then when they break those contracts, we coach them through that. So there's uh-huh. different ways of coaching a team uh, in corporate. Um, and, and and it will differ based on size, but nobody's defining exactly what a corporate best corporate team size is. I keep reading different research. So, yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> this is fascinating. Mm-hmm. So you you said earlier how coaching really is the most effective technology um, to bring about mm-hmm. behavioral change. behavioral change. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts around? the role of artificial intelligence. Ah, you know what? I don't have a lot of thoughts around that. (laughs) Okay, when they come really full force into that, uh, you know, how old will I be? (laughs) Um, It's an interesting thing because if we're saying that a good part of it is in the relationship we create 
that's going to be the hard part to uh, replicate. You know, are there even apps out there now that can ask you coaching questions and, you know, uh, uh, use some reflective techniques? Sure there are. Mm. But is that person fully present with you? It's not Mm. the same. It's not the same. And there's, you know, even more so I keep reading, you know, the power of being with people. Mm. Now, a lot of that is through technology these days, but we have so many video technologies that uh, we can somewhat recreate being with, uh, even though we're not in the same room. Um, but I just don't, I think we're a long ways off of being, rep, of being able to replicate the human-to-human experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As you had mentioned earlier, how important the energetic connection is. Mm-hmm. And so with artificial intelligence, how does that energetic yeah. connection happen? That'll be interesting to see if they can create that. Now, because we can measure the electromagnetic energy of our Mm. emotions, then it's possible we can replicate it. Mm. So I'm not putting anything uh, into the, oh, we'll never work thing. No, I think they'll figure it out, but I just still Mm. think we're a long way off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And coaching is still pretty new. Like, when 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 did coaching become? Well, coaching is a popular... Uh, thing that we do didn't really start happening until the late 1990s. Um, that it was out there in some way, it's been out there a sure. lot longer. And there will be a lot of people that will say, oh, I've been coaching since the 80s. That's you right. Know, I don't know about that. Right. But in the definition that we're talking about, mm. uh, I don't think mm. uh, it's been been around as long. And, and there are certain therapies that relate to this, you know, behavioral therapies. Right. But, uh, again, in terms of the relationship that I don't see you as broken mm. or needing to be mm. fixed in any way or that I have to heal you, um, uh, that's a shift. Mm-hmm. That's a shift. So you've had a huge impact on coaches, mm-hmm. on the coaching industry, and on the people that you've worked with, uh, specifically the businesses that you've served and people who've worked in those businesses. What opportunities are there for coaching that have still kind of like um, still some fertile soil to be tilled? Mm. Any thoughts around that? Well, you know, like I said, even though that it's accepted uh, leadership competency in, in the corporate world of coaching, mm. that doesn't necessarily mean they still know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And the fastest growing uh, membership of the ICF mm. is leadership and corporate coaching. Mm-hmm. And it's hugely, vastly growing around the world. You know, so when I said I teach leaders coach, I don't teach it that much in the United States because there's so many people. But I'm teaching it in China. I'm teaching it in Russia. I was just asked to do a, a program in Singapore. And, and so there's um, this growing need for not just external coaches, but internal mm-hmm. coaches and teaching leaders how to use coaching technique. And it's not going to kill the external market because the top people will still want coaches. That's right. So um, I you know, think that uh, coaching in organizations is uh, still huge potential um, everywhere, including here uh, in the U.S. So it's not saturated. Oh, my There's God. plenty of opportunity. Near, nowhere near it. Yeah. 
So for those who were listening who would like to become a coach, what, mm-hmm. uh, what insights or what questions do you have for mm-hmm. them? <laughs> you know, um, if you've got an inkling, this is what you want to do, go to an ICF accredited school. You will regret it if you don't mm. because you're going to have to make up credits to get your certification. Mm. And, you know, so I teach, I told you I teach it, coaching schools around the world, but I'm also the training director for the Healthcare Coaching Institute out of Virginia Tech. And um, there's people that come to us that have been, you know, cobbled together classes. Right. And uh, and there's only so many credits. It's like when you go transfer to a university, they mm-hmm. only accept so many of your credits. It's the same thing with coaching. If, right. if it really wasn't based in the core competencies, I can't accept it, the hours. And so find one... Um, go on the ICF website. They've got the, the accredited coach, uh, coach training schools are listed. If you want one in your area, you certainly can find one. Um, if you don't mind traveling a little, you know you can um, match it more to your focus of how you want to use coaching. So start there. You, you have to start there. And then not only going through the school, get a mentor. Right. You know, right off the bat, work with somebody to help you. And mentors in the ICF definition um, it are people that help you hone your skill. Okay, so um, supervision is a different thing, but mentoring helps you be the best coach you can be. Excellent. How can people get in touch with you, Marcia? Well, because I am on the road, I always say you've got to do it by email. So my website is outsmartyourbrain.com. <laughs> So my email is Marcia, M-A-R-C-I-A, at OutsmartYourBrain.com. And I, like all of you, are checking my email every day. (laughs) (laughs) And I know you do. I know you do, Marcia. (laughs) And I have someone to do it for me when I'm sitting on an airplane. (laughs) That's wonderful. And yet still present. And still present. I hope. I hope. (laughs) Maybe when I'm a little jet-lagged, I'm not so much. (laughs) So this show, the theme of the show was Be, Dream, Do. How does that message resonate with you? You know, that's one of the hardest things um, we tried to define early on in coaching, the difference between being a coach and doing coaching. Mm. And, again, that being present is, you know, that I'm being with you. You know, one of the greatest pieces of advice is Thomas Leonard, who started Coach U, the school I went through, and the ICF, my very first class, he said, go coach people. And I'm like, how can we coach people? We haven't even had a class. We don't know what we're doing. And he said, just go love them. Mm. Oh. <laughs> and that was, I always go back to that. It was like, oh, that was the being with. Mm. And I know those first few years of coaching, God knows what I was doing. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and I still to this day feel I get better every year. Um, there's no destination to mastery. Mm-hmm. Um, but because I was just being with them, that it was the being first mm-hmm. that made the doing so much easier to learn and to continue to improve. Beautiful. Where did dream fit into that? Well, you know, for me, it was like having that purpose that mm-hmm. I always wanted to make a difference. I always, you know, wanted to do something uh, meaningful to give back for the people who saved my life. Um, and help me to see uh, the humanity and power in me. And um, so I never, you know, I can't say, I, I might have smaller dreams of 
my books being on the New York Times bestseller, which <laughs> hasn't happened yet, but I got it hopefully in the it'll next happen. one. It'll happen. <laughs> so I'll have dreams of some things that I create. Mm. Um, and some of them, you know, come true. Some of them don't, mm. you know, but we keep going. Um, in terms of a grand dream, it's more that um, that my purpose make that I can make this difference in the grandest way I can is my dream. That's beautiful. Marsha, thank you so much for being on the show. Listeners, Marsha Reynolds, Master Certified Coach, just go love them. Stay tuned next week when we're going to have Dan Schinder. He is the creator of Drum Talk Radio, and it should be a lot of fun. Uh, Thank you again for an amazing, amazing journey you took us on today. And I'm going to go practice anger right after this show. Yay! (laughs) Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Do what you love and love what you do. Thank you for joining David and his guest. Make sure to catch Be, Dream, Do, Living by Design every week right here on StarWorldWideNetworks.com.